Wonderful. Ooh. Uh, please keep Mark chapter 7 open in front of you. Uh, my name's John T. For those who don't know, um, I'm another of the leaders here at Globe Church. Um, and we're going to have a, a look into this, this passage. We're going to pray together and ask that God would help us and speak to us. And uh, then we're going to look at this together. Father, please help us. Father, please, would you help me to be clear? Father, would you send your spirit now to take your words and help us to understand it? Father, breathe life into us where we feel cold or dead or lifeless. Father, we pray that your word would breathe life and that we might hear your voice speak to us and that you might create life and joy within us. Father, please help us, we pray. Amen. Grand. I mean, this is a slightly weird story, isn't it? I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I get the impression that Jesus just called this woman a dog, right? <laughs> Doesn't that bother you? This isn't the Jesus that I know. The Jesus who's kind. That's what, what, that's what we need to try and work out this afternoon. And I want to show you straight up, here's my main point, Okay. Here's my big, big point. And this won't make any sense to you yet, but I hope it will by the end. Okay, this is my big point. The one who shouldn't shames the ones who should. That is what I think is going on in this story. That's why Mark puts this story in his gospel, to show us that the one who shouldn't shames the ones who should. Okay, let me show you what I mean. Imagine, uh, a, imagine someone walking on the street with a dog. Let's, let's say he's a... 28-year-old American football player. And uh, it's nice to welcome you, Keaton. I haven't said chance, had a chance to say hello yet, but it's nice to have you here. Uh, Keaton's just arrived from America to play American football here, which is cool. I mean, I, th- I think do more than that, but it's great to have you here. 28-year-old uh, guy walking on the streets with a dog. And uh, as dogs do, sometimes, the dog stops to leave something on the pavement. And the 28-year-old guy just walks on, does nothing, all right? Then, behind him, comes an 80-year-old lady, very old, with a frame, and she stops. And she gets down very slowly onto her hands and knees, and she scrapes up the dog mess and puts it in the bin. Now, if the 28-year-old turns around, what should he feel as he sees that? He should be shamed by the one who shouldn't be doing that because he's the one who should have. Okay? And I want to try and show you in this story that what's happening is Mark saying, here is this woman who shouldn't come to Jesus, who shouldn't understand, who shouldn't get it, and who shouldn't receive anything from Jesus. And she's the one who shames all the people who should. You see, this section of Mark is all about people who don't get it. People whose hearts are hard. There was Herod. We saw him a few weeks ago. His heart was hard. He chopped off John the Baptist's head. He was a Jew. He should have got it. There are the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders. They study God's word all the time. They should get it, but they don't. And there are the disciples, Jesus' closest friends, the 12 closest friends he's got, who've been with him, they've seen his miracles, they've seen everything. They should understand, but they don't. And then, suddenly, 
the most unexpected person gets it. <laughs> That's what's going on in this story. It is to shame the ones who really should get it. Look, let's, let's just think about this. Okay? Um, it's always been true, I think, in society that people basically split into two groups. There are the haves and the have-nots. There are the privileged and the unprivileged. There are the first-class and second-class people. That's just kind of, by nature, it sort of happens in cultures. The in-crowd and the out-crowd. And the, just think about the privileged ones, right? What is, it, what is true about anyone who has a sense of privilege? Here's what's true. They have a profound sense of entitlement. It's my right. So if someone is very privileged, they deserve to be served first. They deserve to have things first. They deserve the best. They deserve to be treated differently. They expect other people to get out of their way. That's the privileged ones, right? We've all met people like that, haven't you? <laughs> you will do one day. They're deeply offended when someone steps on their toes. The opposite is true of the underprivileged. They have no rights, no entitlement. Now, a few uh, hundred years or so ago, it was all based on family, wasn't it? So, I don't know if you've been watching War and Peace. Hands up if you've been watching War and Peace. Great. I'm watching War. I watched War and Peace because it was quicker than reading the book, and then I at least could say that I knew what War and Peace was about. Although I think, having watched it, I don't think I do know what War and Peace is about. I think I know about some love story, but I don't think I know what Tolstoy wrote. But anyway. But even there, you get it, don't you? You have the ones who are the elite and the ones who are the not-so-elite. Or Downton Abbey, yeah? The upstairs and downstairs type thing. You get what I mean. They're the privileged and the unprivileged. Now, I reckon 100 years or so ago, people kind of accepted their place in society. If you were born into a family that was lower class, you just accepted that. That was just your place in life. You got on with it. The servants were the servants and the aristocracy were the aristocracy and you never changed. That's just the way it was. But our culture shifted quite a lot from there. Privilege is now something that everybody's encouraged to pursue. You have the right. You are entitled to be treated differently. This is why we tell our kids, don't we? Uh, well, obviously, not many of you do. Uh, but if you had kids, this is why we would tell our kids, you know, you're, you're special, you're unique. Now, what do we mean by that? The problem is, if you tell everybody they're unique and special, everybody thinks they deserve to be treated special. <laughs> that doesn't work. Anyway, there's a big difference between first and second class. And now it all tends to be to do with success, about achievement, about what you are. And the in crowd are the ones who are successful and the out crowd are the ones who aren't. Now, back in Jesus' day, it was a religious thing. The privileged ones were the religious elite, the spiritually privileged. And then there were the not so privileged. Or to put it even more bluntly, for Jesus' day, it was the Jews were the privileged ones. And anyone who wasn't a Jew was less privileged, was the unprivileged. But what you discover about Jesus is that throughout his life, he seems to consciously subvert this most deeply held doctrine of the human heart. He consciously says, I'm going to turn it all upside down. I'm going to show you that it's not about privilege and entitlement. In fact, I'm going to show you that I turn the whole thing upside down and I honour the ones who are unprivileged. And I reveal myself to the ones 
who are not the privileged ones. And I think the point that Mark makes is, look, if someone like her can get it, then you have no excuse. So Mark deliberately puts this woman here as a role model of the most unlikely person we could ever imagine. Now, at first sight, it might appear that this is just going to be another story of Jesus helping, an old, uh, helping a woman who's in need, and it's a lovely story. But we've got to deal with this dogs thing, haven't we? Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread, the privileged, and chuck it to you dogs. Uh, awkward, isn't it? That's where we're heading. So this is what we're going to do, okay? We're just going to think about the one who shouldn't, then we're going to think about the ones who should, and then we're going to think about how the one who shouldn't shames the ones who should. Straightforward, it's easy, this. Right, here we go. Let's think about this woman then, the one who shouldn't. What do I mean when, when I say she shouldn't have access to God's blessing? What do I mean by that? Well, first up, um, there's three reasons why she shouldn't have any claim on Jesus. First thing is that she's an intruder. Have a look at the story again. Verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. Now, Tyre was a foreign land. Israel was where Jesus did most of his stuff. That was the Jewish land. Tyre is north by the coast, and it's, it's not Jewish. Foreign land. And look what he does. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. What is he going to Tyre for? Not to preach, does he? And my guess is that he's gone to Tyre just to get some time with his 12 disciples. He's gone for some rest. He's been trying to get rest for quite a while, but it keeps being crowds. So he goes, I'm going to Tyre where there'll be no one. I'm going to go and get some rest. And he deliberately chooses a house and he shuts the door. He's not being grumpy, but he's spending time with his disciples. But look at verse 25. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. She gatecrashes his private time with his disciples. She's an intruder. Jesus didn't invite her. No one invited her. She just crashes her way in. But Thursday evening is my favourite evening of the week. Because that's the evening when Linda and I have an evening together. We sit on the sofa, we eat curry and we watch telly. It's my favourite evening of the week. We have a great time. Just, it's just relaxing and it's our time together. If one of you just kind of smashed through the window and plonked yourself in the sofa in between us, I'm not going to be happy. You've intruded on our time. You're not welcome. I love you and you're welcome any time other. Most other time. A few other... I'll tell you when you can come. But this woman... She intrudes right in. She's not invited. She's not being sought out. She just pushes her way in. Can you imagine the nerve that must have taken? Can you imagine this woman? How desperate she must be. She's risking everything. She has no right to be there. She's not a welcome guest. She's an intruder. And as she bursts in on Jesus, I want you to get this. Jesus would have every right to send her away. I'm sorry, love. I've come here for some peace and quiet. You're going to have to go. 
You can't be it. He probably wouldn't have called that love. But it's not just that she's an intruder. I want you to notice next that she's unclean. You see, as we discover this, this, more about this woman and her problem, things get worse. Have a look at what she says. We discover that she has a little daughter who was possessed by an impure spirit. Her daughter is in desperate trouble. So she's, I want you to try and feel this woman's pain, okay? Not to just sit like, oh yeah, that's a poor lady. Actually to feel it, right? Her little daughter, her precious darling daughter is under the control of an impure spirit. Now that sounds weird to us. I mean, what does that mean? Well, we've already seen in Mark's Gospel that uh, the world we live in is not just a neutral world. It is a world where evil is at work. The Bible's very clear that there is an enemy of God whose name is Satan. We don't live in a neutral world. We live in a world where there is evil and we see it all the time, don't we? And in some way, we don't know how, we don't know what form it takes, but this little girl is in the grip of a spirit, a demon, an unclean, impure spirit. But it's interesting that it's called an unclean spirit. This woman has uncleanness taken root in her home. She lives with uncleanness. Now, why is that a big deal? Well, if you were here last week, what was last week all about? Chapter 7. I mean, all of chapter 7 so far has been about uncleanness. You can't come to God if you're unclean. And here's a woman who's unclean. And so for the second time, on the basis of her uncleanness, Jesus would have every right to send her away. Look, I'm sorry, lady, but you're unclean. If your daughter's got an impure spirit, you can't come near me. You're unclean. You'll make me unclean. So Jesus can send her away because she's an intruder, and he can send her away because she's unclean. You see, she has no claim here. But there's more. There's a third thing. And that is that she's a foreigner. Have a look at verse... 26. Mark is very, very keen. He wants you to know this, okay? He wants you to know. Verse 26. The woman was a Greek. Born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. She is Greek. That means she's not a Jew. She is a Gentile. Now we might say, oh, does it really matter? You know, Jewsy schmoozy, who cares? It really matters. I'll show you how much it matters. Look at this. Look at these words about Gentiles. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. This is, here's a description of what it means to be a Gentile. You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. This woman does not belong to Israel. She hasn't no right on the promise. In fact, to be honest, it's worse. She's from Tyre. I hear you say. Sounds bad. It is bad. Have a look at Zechariah chapter 9. If you'd like to. In fact, look anyway because it will help you. Zechariah chapter 9, which is somewhere near the end of the Old Testament. It's after there. 
page 954. Yep, page 954, got it? Tyre. This is what the Old Testament, this is what the Jews had in their Bible about Tyre. Chapter 9, verse 3. Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She's heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea and she will be consumed by fire. That's Tyre. One of God's enemies, who God says he's going to consume with fire. Okay, now, here's Jesus, the king of God's new kingdom. He's come to bring the kingdom of God. He's come to bring this wonderful rule of God into this world. And someone from Tyre comes towards him. Do you not see the problem? She deserves fire, according to the the Bible. And so here, for the third time, Jesus can send her away. I send you away because you're an intruder, because you're unclean. And to be honest, you deserve fire, not help. And yet here's the staggering thing. Despite all of that, she has no... I I hope I've... Have I laboured this point? She has no right (laughs) to come. She has no entitlement. She has no claim. And yet, here's the staggering thing. She still comes. She still comes. And she comes and she begs Jesus. Jesus, please. My daughter, please, please help me. It'd be hard to imagine someone so unentitled to help. And what Jesus says doesn't seem to give her much hope, does it? Have a look at verse 27. You know, if you're reading this, seriously, if, you, if we hadn't already read the passage, you'd expect Jesus to go, oh, of course I, I love you, I love people. Of course I'll help you. Don't be silly. It doesn't matter that you're an intruder, an unclean person and a foreigner. It doesn't matter. I'd love to help you. Where is she? Let's go help her. You're not ready for verse 27, are you? When Jesus says, first let the children eat all they want. For it's not right to take the children's bread and to toss it to the dogs. And here it is this afternoon. The children and the dogs. So let's just think for a moment now. We've thought about the one who shouldn't. What about the ones who should? What about these children? What what does that mean? Who are the children? When Jesus talks about the children, he's talking about those whom God has chosen, those, those who have the right to come to him. He's talking in this instance about the Jewish nation, the nation that God chose for himself. Okay, I showed you what uh, the Bible says about non-Jews. Here's what it says about the Jews. Get this, right? Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. That means like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the famous people. And from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah. In other words, it's from the Jews that Jesus came. Jesus was a Jew. 
who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. They have a massive privilege. You see that? This nation that God chose for himself, they are hugely, hugely privileged. I'm very excited this week because I got a taste card this week, uh, which I can tell doesn't excite you. But it made me really happy. It made me so happy that I've taken a picture of it and put it there for you. That is my taste card. It's got my name on it and everything. And, and the taste card is cool because it entitles you to uh, money off at restaurants and stuff. So Lynn and I went out for uh, a pizza. I mean, we do other things other than eat occasionally. And uh, we went out for pizza and, um, and it's terrific. I didn't kind of at the end of the meal get on my knees and say, oh, please, I've got very, very little money. Please could you give me 50% off the bill. I just got out my phone and went, oh, uh, I have a taste card. I'm entitled to 50% off my bill. It gave me a sense of entitlement. I had the right. That was the Jews. They had a card that said, we, are the, we have the right. I'm an insider. I'm a law keeper. I'm a family. That was the card they carried. If God is going to be for anyone, he's going to be for the Jews. If, God is go- if Jesus is going to help anyone... It will be for the insiders. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. I've come with bread for the children. I've come with bread for the children. We live in a world that is starving, hungry. A world where people are dying, where people need bread. Because nothing in this world satisfies. And Jesus comes with bread that truly satisfies. And just a few chapters earlier, what did he do? He took five loaves and he broke them and he fed them to a crowd of people. 5,000 people. And they were all Jews, all of them, he fed the children and they had as much as they wanted. They were satisfied. But here's the real shocking thing. The children don't want it. The children don't want Jesus. The leaders reject him. They don't love him. They don't worship him. They don't follow him. They don't trust him. They don't want the bread. And isn't this so true of those who have privilege? You take it for granted, you despise the privilege that's yours. How quickly we just say, oh, well, Jesus, who's not that big a deal. How dare we? And so here are these two groups. The one who shouldn't, here's this woman who deserves nothing. The ones who should, who deserve everything. And yet, do you know what? If, if you think what Jesus says to her is offensive, if you think Jesus is being offensive in what he says, I want you to understand this. We hear something deeply offensive, but she doesn't. She hears something wonderful. We hear something that seems to slam the door in her face, but she doesn't. She hears something which leaves the door open a crack. We hear something that sounds harsh, but she doesn't. She hears something that gives her hope. What is it she hears? What is the word that she hears that she latches onto and that makes her heart skip? What is the word? It's the word first, isn't it? First, let the children eat all they want. Can you see what happens in her heart? You mean, 
There may be some for me. There may be, there may be some scraps for me. Do you see how Jesus' answer, which sounds so harsh to us, actually opens the door for her? He says to her, he doesn't say to her, oh, of course you're entitled, everybody's entitled, everybody can have some. He doesn't say that. He agrees with her assessment. He knows that she, he shows her the reality of how little she deserves. He wants her to see the reality. She has no right, but he says, first, let the children eat all they want. And what she hears, well, look at her reply. Lord, she said, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I've got to say, I find that a very moving reply. She's saying, Jesus, might there still be some crumbs for me? Do you know one of the things that really puzzled me about the feeding of the 5,000? If you know the story of the feeding of the 5,000, he feeds 5,000 people and they're all full. And what's left over? Twelve basketfuls of bread left over. I puzzled why. When I preached it, I didn't know why. I think I do now. Because Jesus is saying, when I finished feeding the children, there's still a ton of crumbs to go around. When I finished feeding the children, I've still got more. And Jesus came into this world to bring bread. To bring bread that satisfies us at the deepest possible level. We will not be satisfied. We run around trying to find something to feed ourselves. We run around trying to find something that will satisfy us and nothing will. We live in a world where we're dying, where we've turned away from God. We've been thinking about that this afternoon. But Jesus comes and he says, I've got bread and I'll give it to you. Jesus has bread and there's some left over. And I want you to know this afternoon that Jesus has bread. I want to show you one other thing. Um, I want to show you this has always been the way, okay? Just turn to Deuteronomy 24. Because I, I just think this helps us to get hold of what, what's going on in this story. Deuteronomy 24, it's on page uh, 202. Two, uh, yes, 202. Deuteronomy 2, uh, 24, verse 19. Uh, just look at this, okay? This will sound weird at first, but I think it'll make sense. When you are harvesting, this is God's rule for his people, okay? God's laws for his people. When you're harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, you know, a bit of grain, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go back over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. Built right into the heart of God's law is that when God blesses his people, it is always supposed to lead to blessing for the foreigner. They get to feast on the crumbs. I cast this afternoon, we have to face the fact that we might be offended at Jesus saying, you have no right to come. And to be honest, if this woman had been brought up in 21st century Britain, 
What do you think our response would have been? How dare you? Who do you think you are? I shall go and find someone else to help my daughter. But this woman wasn't brought up in 21st century Britain. She had a heart that was right. She had a heart of faith. And her heart said, yes, Lord, that's right. You are right that I have no claim. Please, can I have a crumb? And I want to say to you this afternoon, and this is what's challenged me this week. Are you willing to eat the crumbs? We always want the best, don't we? We always want to be first. Jesus, I want you to bless me. I want you to sort me out and make me something impressive. This woman teaches us that the right way to respond to Jesus, the right way to come to him, is to come saying, Jesus, I don't deserve this. I deserve nothing from you. In fact, perhaps even I'm willing to admit I deserve to be under your fire under your judgment. But is it possible that I might have a crumb? Is it possible that you might give me something of your blessing? I think this is really beautiful. And the point of this, the point of this woman at this point is that as Jesus looks at her, I mean, look at it, verse 29, then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. He says, of course there's bread for you. Because Jesus is going to die on a cross. And as Jesus dies on the cross, the fire, the fire that should have fallen on that woman, it falls on him. He takes the fire. How can he offer her bread when she doesn't deserve it? Because he's going to take the fire that she does deserve. He's going to die so that he can offer bread to this woman. And this afternoon, as as we sit here, I want you to see that this is a beautiful thing that Jesus does here. Jesus actually honours this woman in the most spectacular way. Not by pandering and flattering her and saying, oh, it's okay, you're fine. Actually by saying, no, you are unworthy and you don't deserve. But yeah, you're right, there are crumbs for you. And she gets it. And she is the one who shames all of the people who don't. She shames all of the children who should be feasting on Jesus. And here is the big warning. If we don't feast on Jesus, there are a pile of people coming up behind us who are desperate for him. And for some of us, we are very, very privileged this afternoon. Some of us have been brought up in Christian homes. We've heard the Bible for donkey's years. We've been around church for ages. We know the gospel. We know this stuff. And we've lost any sense of this. We think we deserve it. We think we're entitled to it. We assume that Jesus will help us. And when we come to pray to him, we don't come with any sense of this. We just come saying, Heavenly Father, please help me today. Please give me this. Please do this. Please do this. Please do this. I mean, who do we think we are? We despise sometimes the privilege we've been given. We get out our taste card and we go, Jesus, look, here's my taste card. Actually, we bear a card that says, intruder, unclean, foreigner. 
When I see that, I then approach Jesus and say, Jesus, can I have some scraps? Can I just get a crumb? And the Bible doesn't tell us, but don't you think the, don't you think the biggest smile broke out on Jesus' face as he looked at this woman? So if that's you this afternoon, if you know you're privileged, if you know you're one of the ones and you think, oh, I think I deserve all this stuff, be shamed by this woman. Be shamed by her humility and her approach. I've been very shamed by her. But if you're someone who feels like you're an intruder, you feel like, I don't feel like I deserve to be in church. I feel unclean. I feel like I do stuff that's wrong. I feel like a foreigner. I feel like an outsider. I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to hear that Jesus has bread for you. Bread to feed you even this afternoon. We don't have to starve in this life. We don't have to have souls that are starving for satisfaction. Jesus has bread. So this afternoon, do you see this woman? The one who shouldn't shames the ones who should. Let's look at her. Let's enjoy the way Jesus treated her. And let's be humbled by her. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we read a story like this and it does humble us. We confess how arrogant we can become, how proud we can become, how full of entitlement we can become, how much we want to be first, how we want to be treated as special. Father, we ask instead that we might be willing to come, willing to eat crumbs, if they're the crumbs that Jesus gives. Father, where else could we go? Where else could we go other than to Jesus who has the bread of life? And we pray that we might feast on this bread, eat this bread, even just the crumbs which satisfy us so deeply. Father, please teach us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.